You didn't know I owned any dress clothes, did you? If I was really prepared, I would have had these uh, stands ready to go, but but I didn't. All right, we'll see if that works. So how's everybody doing this morning? Is everybody ready for Christmas? I thought we would we would talk about Christmas. We would we'd try to be a little festive. I don't normally wear this outside of the holidays. I've got the the fireplace video going. I would turn off the lights and, and, and preach in the dark to really kind of enhance the mood, but I'm afraid several of you would begin to snore. So so we won't do that. We'll enjoy the fireplace with the lights on this morning. But I thought as as we talk about Christmas and, and Christmas gifts, what's the best gift anybody in here ever got? Jesus, okay, so you peeked ahead into my notes, Brother Tom. Thank you. Anybody else? Best gift you ever got? Best gift somebody ever gave you? Life? Family? Okay, that's that's good. That's good. It, it's uh, Since we're struggling for answers, maybe we need to step up our gift-giving game in here. What is the best gift you ever gave somebody? All the husbands suddenly fall very silent. Was that was that something you wanted? Okay. Or is just AJ the bravest man alive? Oh well, that is that is a great gift. I I one time bought Shannon a vacuum. Actually, Shannon just picked it out and and got it herself. But Shannon loves to clean, and this was this was a legitimately nice gift for her. It wasn't a some sort of an attempt at getting myself hurt. So, anybody else? Best gift you ever gave? Oh, what? A, oh, that's that, that's more of a Valentine's thing, though. But thank you, brother Tom, for sharing. We all appreciate that. What about? Does anybody have like a favorite Christmas memory? I mean, I was thinking about this, and I think our favorite Christmas memories, those are kind of gifts, not really gifts that we planned on, but when you look back and remember something fondly that happened, I think that's that's kind of a gift. What's a favorite Christmas memory you've got? I love it. I love all of that answer. Thank you so much. That is perfect. Levi, best Christmas... What's that? Eating your first Twinkie for Christmas. I, I can see how that would be a really special time, yes. I, I, I remember when I think of Christmas, I always think of Christmas Eve. We always went over to my grandparents' place on Christmas Eve uh, my mother had several brothers, so it was a really packed house. My uh, my grandma and grandpa, as soon as the last child moved out of their house, they started this tradition where they spent Christmas morning at the children's hospital. And my grandfather would dress up as Santa, and my, my uh, grandmother would go in, and she would cook and bring all these baked goods in. So that's what they did. So they always encouraged all of their children and grandchildren, stay home and make your own memories at home 
on Christmas morning, but on Christmas Eve, we all went over there. My grandmother would be playing all of her old Christmas records. Uh, they had the big tree put up and all kind of gifts, and my grandmother would start baking weeks ahead of time to be prepared. And just all of my, all of my best Christmas memories, I think, are really just kind of in that house for the 13 or, or 14 first Christmases of my life. Uh, being over there before my grandmother got too sick to to have everybody come, but just what a what a great set of memories I have of being together with family and and Christmas music and food and just kind of being together to fellowship and and what a what a great time that was. So let me ask maybe a more controversial question. We're done with the easy ones. Has anybody in here ever re-gifted something? I, I see a couple of people sort of, yes, what, what, what have you re-gifted? If it was to somebody in this room, maybe, maybe don't share. <laughs> especially, husbands, if it was to your wife, especially, I beg of you, don't share. <laughs> is, is re-gifting, several people have done it, but nobody really wants to say it out. Is, is re-gifting wrong? No, all the people, all the people who said they did it, are saying it's it's not wrong. I don't think it's wrong, except, of course, unless it involves dishonesty. If if Brother Tom spends time picking out a gift for me and he gives it to me, and I immediately take that gift and rewrap it and take it to Pastor Steve and tell Pastor Steve this story about how I spent weeks looking for the perfect gift for him, and, and, and I, I spared no expense to buy this thing for him, and I give it to him and pretend that it was from me, I don't think that's right. I, I think it's perfectly okay to re-gift as long as you acknowledge that's what you're doing. Maybe you don't want to tell somebody, oh, somebody gave me this and I hate it, so I'm, I'm, I'm unloading it on you. Maybe that's not the way to present it, but you don't want to be dishonest about it either. But I don't think there's anything morally wrong with regifting. I just, yeah, I would think that would be pretty good common sense. Don't give it back to the person who gave it to you. So if you can't remember who gave it to you, maybe don't regift it. Maybe just just hold on to it and, and live with it. That would not be good. But I don't I don't think there's anything really wrong with regifting. Is it ever? Is it ever wrong not to re-gift? Have you ever gotten a gift so great that you just, you just can't wait to share it? I mean, the, the first thing I think a couple years ago, somebody gave me for Christmas, me, just to me, this huge, like, cake tin filled with peanut butter fudge. Now, my first instinct was to just keep the whole thing. It was to me, after all, and it would be rude for me to not eat all of it. However, I decided that the nice thing to do would be to share that with other people. Now, I did eat my fair share of it. I didn't give it all away. I did enjoy uh, an awful lot of it, probably more than I should have. But I didn't keep all of it. Have you ever gotten something that's so great that you just can't wait to, to show it off? and You just can't wait to share it? You can't wait to pass it along? I think a lot of times when we think of that, we think of, of things that children get that they're so excited about that they want to kind of show off whatever they found under the tree that morning. But I think as adults, don't we sometimes just, just get something that's just so amazing that we just can't wait to show somebody, look what I got. This is like so cool. This is so awesome. 
I think it's that way, or at least I think it should be that way with our faith. We should be so excited about this connection that we have to Christ that we can't wait to show it off. We can't wait to share it with people. We can't wait to kind of re-gift that along to other people. Not that we're done with it and we didn't really like it and it didn't fit anyway, so I'm going to pass it on to, to Brother Tom and hopefully he thinks I put a lot of thought into it. Not like that, but something that's so great that I just, I just Brother Tom, I just can't wait to tell you about this awesome thing that's happening in my life. I can't wait to share it with you. We're going to look at a, at a couple of scriptures in Luke chapter 1, and, and I know, it, especially at this time of the year, this is not a verse that is foreign to us. We've, we've probably encountered this already this year. But when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist, who was not John the Baptist yet, he was still an unborn child, leapt for joy within his mother's womb when his mother heard Mary's voice. Mary, who was carrying the unborn Christ at that time. John the Baptist, who wasn't John the Baptist yet, but he was so excited about what was going to happen that as an unborn baby, he leapt for joy at the prospect of this great gift that the world was going to receive. That's pretty amazing. Right there at the beginning of Luke. In Luke chapter 2, and our pastor talked just a couple weeks ago about Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the, the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He was so excited. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that the the Son of God was going to come to bring salvation and, and had promised him Simeon, you are not going to die until you see the Son of God. And when he saw this child, he knew in his heart. And he had this great joy that this child is finally here. Salvation in human form has finally come to change what we've known all along, to change the whole world forevermore. It is finally here. He was so excited. And I think that's a pretty good way to respond to a gift. Leaping with joy. Having excitement and declaring out loud, God, what a great thing that you've done. Those two passages, I think, really illustrate how important Jesus was going to be. Because for all of the energy that we spend celebrating his birth, let's be really spiritually honest here with this, with this small crowd that we've gathered together on this Sunday morning. We don't come together all year long to celebrate the little baby. The manger, the star, the wise men, no room at the inn. I mean, that's a great story, and we've, most of us have heard it over and over again since we were children. It's a really compelling story. Even if it wasn't true, it would still make a good story. I believe with all my heart that it is completely true. 
But that's not what we come together to celebrate. We don't come together to celebrate little baby Jesus. We do at Christmas time because that's when he was born. But that's not what we're celebrating all year long. That's not what we're worshiping. We're not coming together because of this really cute story, this really moving story. And we do that, I think, with a lot of other people. February 12th. Does anybody know what happens on that date? We celebrate Jenny's birthday. What else do we celebrate February 12th? What other birthday? Abraham Lincoln. Anybody know what year he was born? 1809. February 12th, 1809, we celebrate Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Now, we don't celebrate Abraham Lincoln's birthday because little baby Abraham was born in 1809. He wasn't the only baby born in 1809. He wasn't even the only baby born in February. He wasn't even the only baby born on February 12th of that year. We don't celebrate that this little baby was born in this log cabin. And again, that's kind of a cool story. We don't celebrate that. We celebrate his birthday because of his life, because of what he accomplished. That's why his birthday is important, because of the man he was, not because his mother gave birth to him. And Jesus should be the same way. I feel so sorry for the people who only come to to church once a year and their only real reference point to Jesus is the baby in a manger. They've got this really nice story that they kind of celebrate, but they don't recognize that there is so much more to it. And they don't recognize that we celebrate that birth, not because of the baby, but because of the man that baby grew into. Because of what he did. His life and his death. What he did on the cross. And his sacrifice for my sins. And here's the way that I picture it. Because I know myself better than I know anybody else. And I know the sins that I pursued in my life. Not stuff I accidentally did wrong. I've got a lot of that too but stuff that I did wrong on purpose, that I chased, that I did wrong with enthusiasm. And I know that stuff. And I know, out of all the people in this room that don't deserve to go to heaven, I know that I do not deserve to go to heaven. And when I was in line to be punished for my sins, Christ came along and cut in front of me, pushed me out of line, and took my spot so that he could take that punishment on himself. The punishment for my sins on himself, so that I can go to heaven. That's just kind of the the way that I picture it in my head. That's why I celebrate Christmas. Because of what he did on the cross. Because of the sacrifice that he made for all of us, so that we can spend eternity with him. I think I've got a movie clip that that we're about to share with you. Um, it is it, it's it's something that I, I've never done in ministry before. I'm using a movie clip. It's from an R-rated movie. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. the The clip itself is not violent. It's a little bit intense, 
Um, it is it is about some wounded people. It's about Desmond Doss. He was a medic during World War II. And he saved the lives of more than 50 men. They actually don't have an accurate count of how many lives he saved. So they're saying between 50 and 100, how many lives this man saved during the battle on Hacksaw Ridge and in the aftermath of that. So let's just take a, a quick look at that. Let me get one more. a single-minded mission. Lord, help me get one more. As believers, shouldn't we have that same single-minded mission about sharing our faith? We are instructed to by Scripture. That's what 
Christ wants for us. To share what He did with the world around us. Lord, help me get one more. Help me reach one more. Help me be able to speak to one more person about You. And all the stuff that we get caught up doing, especially at the holidays, and there's nothing wrong with Christmas lights and Christmas cookies and Christmas presents, and and there's nothing wrong with Christmas movies and, and all of the stuff that we just love at this time of the year. But what are we doing to pass along our faith? What are we doing to help the world that doesn't know who Christ is see Him as more than just a baby in a manger? Do we feel that sense of urgency that that young man felt that I've got to save as many lives as possible because these people are dying? And the ones that I don't get to in time are going to die if I don't get them to help. Because that's the kind of urgency I think we should feel because the world out there that doesn't know Jesus, they're dying. And when they die without him, they spend eternity separated from him. So what are you doing to reach one more? How do you reach one more? I think the Scriptures make it pretty easy. There are, if you if you just Google it, if you just Google Romans Road, if you just look up for that, I've got a soft spot for that plan of salvation because that was on the, the little Bible track that I put in my pocket as an unsaved teenager and went over and over and over again that night by myself, and then again with my youth pastor the night that I gave my life to Christ. But Romans, in chapter 3, it says, As the Scriptures say, there is no one doing what is right, not even one. So, you know, none of us do what's right all the time. None of us. All have sinned and are not good enough to share God's divine greatness. Any little bit of sin puts a stain on you that will keep you out of heaven. And all have sinned. Not just the bad people, but all of us good people as well. Even us good people that go to church all the time. When people sin, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, when people sin, they earn what sin pays, death. But God gives His people a free gift, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have earned separation from God. But we get this free gift. And that's what a gift is, right? It's free. Hopefully nobody ever wraps up something in a nice package and hands it to you and then says, oh, by the way, that'll be $12. That's what it cost me up at Target. So come on, give me the money. When gifts are given to you, they're free. We find these, these wrapped up gifts under the, under the tree this time of the year. And, and I have thought for a long time that those of us, if we really wanted to be spiritually accurate, we would, we would wrap up gifts and we'd put them into the manger because that's where the, the best gift ever came from. But we don't do that. We use, a, we use a tree. But God has given people this free gift, His Son's sacrifice. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Now we hear that verse a lot, but let's think about that for a minute. Christ didn't go to the cross for Brother Tom while Brother Tom was up at Lamb serving this community. He didn't go to the cross for Pastor Steve while Pastor Steve was in the pulpit talking about salvation, while Pastor Steve was in the hospital praying with somebody who's dying. 
He didn't go to the cross for Brother Charles while Brother, Brother Charles was driving all over the state of Florida, literally, helping people. He went to the cross while we were still sinners. He died for us when we were at our absolute worst. And He still willingly suffered that for us. Romans chapter 10, if you openly say Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from death, you will be saved. That's how simple it is. You don't have to go to a complicated Bible study. You don't have to take a seminary class. You don't have to read your Bible in the original language it was written in. You don't have to stand up in front of a bunch of people and, and, and recite anything or have anything memorized. You just have to acknowledge that Christ hung on that cross for you and your sins. Acknowledge that and say, Jesus, I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. And that's how simple it is for you to accept that gift. Luke chapter 15 tells us there is rejoicing in heaven when one lost person is saved. When one lost person comes to know Christ. What a great visual that gives us that heaven the best place that any of us can possibly imagine gets even better because they're having a party when anybody gets saved regardless of how good they were or how bad they were when anybody gives their life to christ there's a party in heaven what a great what a great visual especially this time of the year when we think of of parties when we think of time off of work and time off of school when we think of those great family gatherings, all of those things that that could technically be a party, and heaven breaks out into that when we gave our life to Christ. So how do you share the gospel? Do you explain salvation? It's as easy as those quick couple of verses that I shared with you. And you can paraphrase. You don't need to know the verses exactly word for word in the King James or even in any of the easier translations. You just need to know what Christ did on the cross and tell people about that. How else can you share the gospel? I think by selflessly serving. And that doesn't mean you stay quiet about Jesus, but maybe that is the example you set in your life. You know, some people, they're, they're, they're not good talkers. They don't enjoy talking to people, and they don't really like talking to strangers. But boy, they have a servant's heart. And they just can't wait to help people. And they pull over on the side of the road and help strangers change their car tire. And they help people carry groceries around the the parking lot of the grocery store. They just can't wait to help people. They just can't wait to serve people. And what a great example of Jesus. And what a great beginning to sharing your faith with somebody by serving them and making a difference in their life. Can you do it by being relentlessly kind? Not just nice when you want something. Not just nice because somebody's watching you. But being nice all the time. You know, I want to tell you, I, I, on Tuesdays I volunteer up at the school and I work in what they call the trading post. And they've got chips and candy and sodas up there and some school supplies and things like that. And the students can come in and purchase those items and they have to earn Indian bucks to do it. They can't buy them with money. 
They have to have these school-issued Indian bucks. And they get the Indian bucks by doing their schoolwork, by participating in class, by being kind, by setting a good example, by just by by just being positive and doing what they're supposed to be doing, they can earn these Indian bucks and then they can come in there and they can spend them on, on junk food or on school supplies or whatever. And every week I see in there this, this little girl. She's in the seventh grade. And she looks like she probably ought to be in about fourth grade. She's just really, really tiny. And she's, she's in one of the special needs classes. And she comes in. And this girl has a heart for Jesus. When I met her, within five minutes, she was inviting me to church. Like this stranger sitting up there in the trading post, and she's inviting me to church. And I'm thinking, you know, I know adults that work in ministry that aren't this bold. This is awesome. So as I get to know this, this little girl, every week she comes in there, and you know what she spends her Indian bucks on? And she gets a little bit more than the average student because being special needs, they, they really take care of those students and they reward them for all of their good behavior. And she's just in this, this, this cycle of doing good deeds and getting all these Indian bucks. But you know what she buys? School supplies for the students in her class that don't have school supplies. She comes in there and she buys toys. And they got you know, little toys, slinkies and and just like kind of little stuff you'd find at the dollar store. And she buys that stuff to give to the kids in her class that don't have that kind of stuff. She came in there this past Tuesday, and she was buying this large package of drawing paper in this, this box of these fancy colored pencils and buying all these crayons. And so I was, I was talking to her, you know, are, are you an artist? Do you like to draw? Do you like to color? And she told me that there's a boy in her class that doesn't have any friends, and she thinks during Christmas break, because his mom works all the time, she's not gonna, he's not going to have a lot to do during Christmas break, so she's going to give that to him so that he can draw because he loves to draw. So he'll have something to do during Christmas break. And, you know, we, we look at this clip as an example. Lord, help me save one more. I have no idea if she's seen that movie clip. But, I mean, this girl operates her life with this, how can I bless one more person? And I don't even know if she thinks of it as a blessing. She's just kind of programmed to, how can I help one more person? How can I be nice to one more person? What can I do as a kindness to one more person? I can't tell you how many times I've been in there and, and kids will come in and, they want to get a soda, and they realize they don't have quite enough to do it. And she is so quick to, oh, well, here, have one of my bucks. That way you can get a Mountain Dew. Have one of my bucks so that you can get some potato chips. How can I bless one more person? And this girl will invite anybody to church. I mean anybody. And she'll talk to them about her church, and she'll talk to them about God. And she asks all these kids all the time, how can I pray for you? And, and some of them will will give her legitimate answers, and some of them just look at her like she's a little bit crazy. I recognize that, that look because I'm in ministry and I ask people how I can pray for them all the time. So I identify when they give her that look like there might be something wrong with her because a lot of people think there's something wrong with me too. And I think Pastor Steve gets the same looks, maybe even more than I do. He's not in here to appreciate that comment. How can I bless one more person? How can I serve one more person? How can I be kind to one more person? How can I share my faith with one more person? At the very beginning of that clip, 
that young man is talking to God, saying, I don't understand. What am I doing here? This is the worst place ever. People are being killed and things are blowing up. What am I doing here? I want an answer. I can't hear you. And then immediately he hears somebody screaming for a medic. And he realizes maybe God's voice isn't the voice God's going to use to talk to me. I think a lot of us as Christians, can I just be honest, as adults, I think we really struggle with the way the world is. We struggle with, with what this world looks like. And we wonder, God, what's going on? What am I doing here? What's my place in all of this? And we're waiting for God's voice to show up and tell us when there are all these voices around us that if we listen to them, we would know who we need to serve and how we need to serve them, who we need to tell about Jesus, and even how we need to tell them about Jesus if we would listen if we would would get out of bed in the morning with the idea that we've got to reach one more, that we've got to touch one more life, change one more person, how can we do that this Christmas season? Because what a great gift to re-gift the gift that we have been given. What a great gift to give somebody eternity in heaven. You can't buy that at Walmart. Not even if you empty your checking account to do that. I'm going to pray. And when I do that, Ben's got a little bit of music. And I'd like to challenge you, if you you have any business to do with God, anything to do with what I've talked about this morning, anything else going on that has absolutely nothing to do with what I've talked about this morning, If you don't know who Jesus is or if you're not sure you're going to heaven, come on up because I would love to have that conversation with you, sincerely. If you've got something else going on and you just need a little bit of prayer, you just need a little bit of encouragement, come on up and I'd love to do that for you too. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes and just spend a minute thinking, how can we reach one more?